See, this is the real secret of life. To be completely engaged with what you're doing in the here and now. And instead of calling it work, realize that this is play. Welcome to the Restore to Explore podcast, hosted by your soulmates from the Foot Collective Australia. I'm Jim Dooner. And I'm Mac Lyon. We're on a mission to empower humans to restore their natural health and function from the ground up so they can explore movement and life with freedom and confidence. This week I chat with Marty and Ange from The A-Life. Throughout this episode, we explore their journey with movement and health, including how and why they transitioned from owning a physical osteopathy practice to a now thriving online movement community. And we also delve into their experience with pregnancy so far and discuss the value of mindset and movement practices in preparation for birth and the postpartum period, which is a topic that's very close to home for me at the moment as well, being a new dad myself. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Marty and Ange and highly recommend checking out their Instagram page and website for plenty of awesome movement tips and training programs. And this week's episode is also brought to you by our brand new TFC community. It's a completely free online space that we like to think of as a private community hall for humans to learn, connect, share, inspire, and support one another on the journey to foot freedom without the usual distractions of social media. Inside, you'll find a growing library of education, training, and resources to help you resolve common conditions, restore natural function, and explore your body's potential. To join us, just head to thefootcollective.com, and you'll find the link in our show notes as well. Okay, Marty and Ange, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's been, I feel like it's been a long time coming. I, we first met in, uh, I think it was the end of 2019, wasn't it? In the, the first ever TFC barefoot hike in the Dandenongs. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yes, it was. Um, was I, I'm it quite good with 2020, actually. It was like January because what had happened. Oh, that's yeah, right. It was yeah. like, yeah, it was like. Stop we were a bit nervous for that. Like, we? Yeah, it was funny because Andy had invited us. He said, like, oh, come along. And we stuff brought like our that. barefoot shoes because we were like, are we going to survive the yeah, long yeah, walk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone really knew what they were getting in for there. It was it was quite a scene. It was like, I think it was 20 plus people all going barefoot through these tracks in the Dandenongs and we copped heaps of uh, strange looks from people going past. Yeah. I'd, I'd have this really strong memory of someone walking past and going, Hang on, you, none of you have any shoes on. I remember that. <laughs> like it was, it's like such a stock. Yeah. Uh, no, that was awesome for us. It was a good chance for us to meet some like minded people in our community that align and vibe with us. It was well, awesome. And that's where we really got to yeah. know uh, Georgina a little bit more because ah, uh, right. we, we had met her beforehand. She had come to like literally a few weeks ago. Angela They've and done our squat challenge. Georgina she had done our done squat, our squat challenge. Squat and she challenge to, and things like that. She came to Angie's yoga class and was it? until then that we actually really got to know her and obviously she doesn't have to well she lives in melbourne obviously so that's when we really got to know her and then you know met all of you guys as well oh, okay cool it's a cool, yeah. cool community you got there's, there's something really special about that it's actually something we're going to be focusing on doing a lot more of this year um we've actually got our first one coming up this weekend i guess by the time this podcast is released is probably last weekend or a couple of weekends mm. ago but we're calling them shoes optional strolls with, nice. um, to save our souls because for that reason like not everyone's ready to go barefoot for like a massive hike and um you know if shoes are optional then it's just a lot more accessible um 
but the the feeling of getting together in person, going for a walk and getting to connect uh, is really special. It makes you feel like you're belonging to, you know, a community, like it's the whole community vibe, which you guys obviously really get. And I'm really keen to explore, you know, your, um, your latest with community as well throughout the chat. Um, but yeah, yeah, we ended up walking together in the group um, and just having great chats for probably, I don't know how long it was, time flies, but um, we obviously connected on all things movement and health and, and feet, obviously. Um, and I know you guys have had quite a journey since that 2019 or 2020. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it'd be cool to just start the chat with, I guess, your story uh, about that journey, maybe how you ended up at that barefoot hike or how you ended up with an interest in feet and barefoot, um, barefoot mm -hmm. lifestyle. And then how you've ended up where you are now with the a life, um, could be yeah. as deep, as deep as you want to go. <laughs> Obviously that's a, a big story, but yeah, we'll just, we'll start there. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I've been an osteopath for about how long? Two, uh, over a decade. <laughs> Over 15 years. Yeah. And I guess I've been treating patients the way you're meant to treat patients, seeing an array of conditions, having people come back, have my regulars and all this sort of thing. And I just got to a point where I was treating and I was just feeling like I wasn't really helping people. Like mm. I was helping people. Like people would come back saying, you've got magic hands. You feel, I feel amazing. But they were coming back and they didn't really have any tools for themselves to take care of themselves. And the, I was realizing that their environment wasn't changing what they were doing apart from a few little rehab exercises I could give them in a consult wasn't really making any huge impact. And I, as a practitioner was just drained because I was taking on everyone's issues and I just was like what, what am I doing like I didn't really feel like I got into this to really help people and you know I, I first when, when I was wanting to become an osteo like first I was like do I want to get into the hospital system and really help people in acute problems then I was like no I want to help people more earlier down the track and help them before they need that you know the hospitals and things like that for injuries and so then I got into more clinic but then even then I was like, I feel like I could help these people before, like even earlier if they just changed their environment and lifestyle. And so, yeah, somewhere along the line, I just like totally went from zero to a hundred and had enough. And me and Marty took a year off. Yeah, I, think, I think it's because like after, obviously we've been together for over about 16 years. And I remember yeah. when she had just finished osteo, she was like all excited and everything. Yeah. And I remember she said, I'm going to help all these people. And it, to her, it sounded like she was basically a massage therapist and a, and a, a psychologist because she'd just be listening to people's problems and, like the way they saw her as a, a very expensive masseuse, and that's why they kept coming back to her. And then this is why she's like, but anyway, yeah, yeah, she, in the layman's way, that's how, like, you know, she yeah. would describe it. She's like, not really helping anybody. So I'm like, okay, that's it, we'll take it off. I've had enough. And she, she was actually doing surprisingly well because I remember, I'm like, oh, holy crap, you've got a shit ton of patients. And then, you know, she was yeah. very busy, but she was very unhappy at the same time. And I remember, because mm -hmm. we met through dancing and through the hip-hop scene, and I remember she'd, uh, just to have an outlet, like on the weekend, she uh, she would say, hey, let's start, um, start like, you know, uh, house parties or DJ <laughs> parties. And she, I bought her a, um, 
a turntable because she enjoyed DJing as well. And then, oh, that's cool. <laughs> she, you know, she, we really got into the house dance and the hip hop uh, dancing. And she was like, okay, I want to explore this a little bit more. So she goes to Yeah, China. I took a year off just to dance. Yeah. To well, take my mind off. Well, the idea came because she wanted to go to China for a dance event. She met all these um, French dancers and she's like, Bab, you would love these people. We got to go meet them. We got to go to France and meet them. And, you know, that that idea in her head was like sealed. It's like, oh, I've got to go. I've got to let go of this um, osteoclinic just... lifestyle. And we went away for a year. <laughs> and I think this is where she kind of developed like uh, different approaches to you did a whole well, at that stuff. same time I was dealing with my own kind of health issues I had mm. uh, polycystic ovaries I had a parasite in my gut I has had, had thyroid issues and they were just like they're all chronic kind of things that just lay low in the bottom like in the background that I was just like I don't know how to deal with these things and when I took the year off I was able to we did um, a nutritional course online and Marty took it actually with me. Well, it was funny because it was an online Yeah, You had to download this app and she had it's access to it for a year. She's like, um, she just get me to download the app and obviously we had a lot of time and friends yeah. to walk around so I'd be listening mm. to it. I think well. that was my first kind of insight that like, you know, up until then I was just looking at the musculoskeletal, like just looking at things very like as a specialist almost like one thing. And I think that was um, the first time actually because I had a lot of gut issues and I resolved and I was also dealing with a chronic Achilles tendonitis and mm. both ankles at the same time, both heels, chronically inflamed for about a year and I was dancing on them. Marty would take me, I taught him how to take my ankles. I used to wear ankle tape and then like high these huge shoes. high top shoes as my like prevention so I could still dance. And then I treated my gut issues and the inflammation like went like this, like, and I was just like, what happened? Like, this is crazy. Like it literally overnight, like the inflammation switch in my body just turned off. And I think that was just a huge eye opener for me that like everything is connected and, um, you know, how I was feeling in every other system of my body was also affecting my musculoskeletal system as well. And yeah, so I think that was just a real journey of self-discovery and we sort of came back and um, yeah, we, we just started like, I think then I also looked more into my environment and like, you know, what we could do in our own environment to be healthier and, you know, we learned how to cook. We literally didn't know how to cook until we took that year off. And, um, you know, we looked at our, what, how we move every day. We looked at, you know, when we came back and we moved into an apartment, I literally chopped the, the legs off our dining table and like we made a coffee table, like low ones with cushions so we could sit on the floor every day. And, like, we just made these drastic changes to our environment and started to, you know, move to more minimal shoes. And But it was a whole lifestyle thing. And I think that actually, like, seeing the benefits of doing that on our, in our own bodies, I was like, I can't go back to being the same practitioner anymore. Like, it just doesn't feel right. Um, and yeah, it just didn't really sit with me anymore, like, seeing patients like that. So... Yeah. Well, you, you know, it was to rewind a little bit. The reason why you had your Achilles tendonitis, this is when the, the you know the vibrams oh, yeah, and the toe things. That's when they first came out, uh, and everybody was saying, 
they're great for running. This is uh, this is how your feet are designed. So obviously, it was early, very early in the days. Rather than transitioning, uh, you know, I haven't spoken with Andy and stuff like that. He says he always transitions his patients before going, like you know, if they were wearing a high, you know, heel shoe, he's not going to straight away take them to Vivos. And it was kind of like what Ange did, and this is what um, st- yeah. this is what started the Achilles tendonitis because it was just hearsay. She would uh, would buy. I can't remember where I she. I think buy I started from. running and what exactly all vibrams and she would, one rather than knowing how to something. run properly, <laughs> rather than knowing how to run properly, what were you doing? She was practically just like hopping on the balls of her feet. And I was so deconditioned. And she was so like deconditioned. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Just did it without having to know how to do it, and then that's how it started yeah. leading to all these changes and yeah. changing her approach, and yeah, yeah. basically leading to. Um, a life actually started off as her blog because she was. Oh, sick when of, I was oh. traveling, yeah. yeah. So when I started nutrition, I started the A life as a nutrition. While you're blog. in France, yeah. Wow, that France trip sounds I know. like a real godsend to you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just a real way for me to like dabble or like relearn what I was actually interested in and what we actually wanted to share. And I always actually wanted to be online. But I think when we came back, I um just didn't know how. Like I didn't understand mm-hmm. the online world. I didn't think that was an option as an osteo and trying to figure that out. Um, so we started the premises. But we moved it more into like a, we tried to do more of a wellness studio to be where we taught people how to move. And yes, we had the clinic. I think it was almost what we wanted, but not quite. Like, well, well basically, it was a stepping stone to where we are now. Everything that she started online as a life to begin with, with the nutrition, with movement, and yeah. you know, creating the environment. She wanted, she basically turned that into a premises yeah. best we can with a little bit of osteopathy which business-wise it was actually kind of like it, it still worked as a business but it was kind of tough to navigate because people think are you a clinic or are you a um, mm. you know people weren't really sure what and especially because we didn't want to label ourselves like i no longer wanted to teach clinical pilates or um mm. straight up be a yoga studio or like i wanted to teach movement but as a branding like or people were like what's that like I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. I, I do remember seeing videos of your old space and it, like it looked awesome. Like it just looked like a cool playground for adults, but it is a hard thing to market. If people like to categorize things like, yeah, yes. are you an osteopath? Are you a gym? Are you a label. PT? Uh, yeah. Whereas <laughs> that, you know, in, the, in the sort of healthcare of the future, it all should kind of be fused into one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but we built our community there and like I think that's what we love most about having the studio was the community that we built Mm. and like just seeing people like progress to a pull-up or, you know, get their deep squat and those kind of things just to see that in person and that development. I do miss that. Yeah, Yeah. I do miss that kind of human connection that we had. This is why sometimes we'll have like every season or, or not right now, obviously with baby on the way, but like um, we were thinking, hey, should we do it every season or every month where we have our members who are from Melbourne that would come meet with us and we can go and meet with them. And I do miss that when we had the previous premises because I knew everybody there. Like um, there was not one person who I didn't know. Every single person that came in, Angie and I knew who they were. And I think that's what really created that community vibe because it was definitely not one of those places where, you can kind of hide yourself in the corner and no one knows. Yeah. We always make sure that we intentionally made it like 
like we also took into account like especially as an osteo like when people come into this um, for a treatment people think you're working on their musculoskeletal system but often you're just trying to get them out of fight flight so that they can actually get into their healing response mm. and so we had an intentional purpose of the studio like the reception area where we offered tea and would often sit there for a little while and have a chat with them so they could drop their guard and they could read a book or you know in the studio we made them feel really welcome and um you know just so that they could actually come somewhere where their nervous system could have a break from everything else that they were doing. So that was a really intentional piece, I think, that we created in the studio. It kind of came naturally to us. I think teaching others, that was kind of like a difficult thing as well. It's like um, when we had our our team come along, they were actually a very friendly group of people. But when it came to, I guess, um, the way we communicate with them, the way we made them feel at home, the way we made them feel like, hey, it's okay to let your guard down. You don't need to be tense here. It was kind of difficult to teach that along to the next person. But all in all, I reckon, yeah, that's what everybody loved about us. Because as soon as they came in, like you, you would probably know this being uh, doing your physio and whatnot, you immediately know who the person is uh, depending on time because you know you meant to have, say, for example, Patrick coming in at two o'clock and someone walks into the door who, you know, looks like a Patrick. A lot of the times I would say, oh, someone would come in and I know they got an appointment. I immediately know who they are and immediately they drop their guns. Like, oh, yes, yes, that's, that's me. I'm in for my appointment. From uh, from there, we start a discussion and they really let their guard down and in the back and just listening. It's like, okay, so this woman works as a da-da-da-da-da. She lives in this area. And then, yeah, that's how we kind of get got them to let their guard down and feel comfortable in the area. Yeah. But it's like less of like the clinic doctor-patient kind of model where you know you've got the desk in between me and you and it then becomes like um yeah a consult whereas it's a bit more holistic when it's more open and yeah, yeah. more more collaborative <laughs> totally definitely. so we had had our business for about three years we'd built up this huge team by then and we kind of we were enjoying it we were enjoying the community enjoying what we had built together but at the same time I think we felt a little unfulfilled in our role because we were sort of becoming these managers of this studio rather than actually being the guides that we wanted to be. Mm. And we didn't know that we wanted to be. Well, we didn't know at the time that we could be. Um, But then I think with the whole Melbourne lockdowns and suddenly Mm. our studio was shut, um, most studios went online and you know, as I said before, when we were in France, I really originally wanted an online kind of platform. I sort of saw it as an opportunity for us to give it a real crack. And, you know, whether I think at the time I sort of thought it could just be a branch of the business. Mm. Um, I didn't think it would be like its own thing. But, um, yeah, we just sort of dedicated ourselves for that time to try and build it up. And it was also, as I said, we had a big team. So we were always for the last three years helping our team find what they were good at and teach that as opposed to us being like, well, what can, what do we have to share with our community? Mm. We've kind of lost that over the last three years, I think a well, little bit we, because we were interested in movement and we found people that were also interested in movement to share with our students and our community. But um, we were like the, 
the curators of it as opposed to us like doing the thing and you know like what you heard my story before I always love experiencing the thing on ourselves like what we teach now or today is literally how we move ourselves every day we just share like how we move we share what we do we share how we set up our environment it's just a share and people benefit from that and that really sits well with me it's like what's something that really lights me up and we just didn't have that with our studio um we were more like teaching and telling people still what to do in a way um I think yeah it was it was interesting because i yeah. remember when we were building it she was actually you know having a lot of fun doing it and she thought you know she, she's always kind of ahead when it comes to seeing things whilst with me i need a little bit more time to kind of marinate and feel that it's actually going to happen because i'm thinking uh, is this only working because everybody has to go online there's no choice and I remember when they said, hey, yeah, we're going to open up Melbourne again. And um, I remember she was so anxious. I remember when she heard that news, because what was happening, we were locked down for X amount of time. And they um, said, oh, this is going for a while. And it didn't bother her because we were building online. We were building our TikTok. We were, building we were also our- testing and- it out, like testing out what we had to share. So when, you know, we started a TikTok, for example, and, you know, I realized very quickly, if we're going to try and have an online presence, we need to put ourselves out there. We don't have a team to kind of say, can you create this for us? We have to be the creators and make the thing up and share it. And so we only knew what we knew. So we would put film ourselves like doing a sequence or, you know, doing something like a warm up or I don't know, some sort of hip mobility routine. And we would put it up on TikTok and it took a little while, but we then had one TikTok that literally got like, I don't know, 3 million views on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I shared it to Pinterest and it got about 8 million views on it. Yeah. It was huge. And I was just like, what? The comments came through. And I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? And we just sort of realized, like, oh, actually how we move as individuals is of interest to people. And it could be, you know, like not just a thing that's popular because – it's lockdowns and everyone's online, it could actually be of interest to people because it's something different to what they've done before and it could be a good change and what people are looking for. So that kind of gave us that little bit of confidence that what we actually do on our day-to-day outside the studio, how we move, could be its own thing. Mm. Um, Yeah, so that was kind of our our first little taste, wasn't it? Yes. Obviously from then, it gave us a little bit of that, even till this day, neither of us actually really like filming ourselves on ourselves out there. We'll, we'll never, we'll never like it. We'll never enjoy it. But hey, Same. You know well, exactly. It's but it's uh, as you, you can understand as well. It's just part of being online. Yes. And this is how this is how you have to do it. And we've accepted that fact. You know, we've accepted not everybody's going to like it. You know, whatever. Yeah. And, and, but and you will cool. attract the people who and, um, are for you. And exactly. And, that's been an interesting even process of looking at having had it for a while now online it's like seeing the people who are attracted to what we do um it's been a really cool journey it is yeah. and so yeah i think after about um a year of doing that we sort of realized i was like why don't we just fully go online like why go back to the stress and the <laughs> um you know of the business of like the team and, and like it's just it was a lot like we had like no time and our lifestyle was consumed with this premises. 
that yeah, it took Marty a little bit of time to come to terms with. Well, you know what it was. But I was like zero to a hundred again, and I was ready to like sell and move online. (laughs) Well, like what we were saying to you earlier, we we both really enjoyed the community aspect, and I thought of them immediately. I'm thinking. That was holding us back. You're going to miss the people. The local community. Yeah, teamwork, right, and everything. It's just like, you know, it was tough being a better boss as well because, like, we were friends with them. And and um, I'm starting to learn it is very difficult. I'm sure you can, but it's very difficult to be both a friend and a boss. And we didn't have that personality that we can kind of have that balance, you know? So, and. At the end of the day, we just wanted to move and share. Well, exactly. That's we what we to wanted to share. do every day. And like, if we now had saw this opportunity that that's what we could just do and simplify as well. Like it really made us realize like we could actually strip everything back and still be doing the same thing um, with way less worry and well, and possibly things. making even a bigger impact because of the scalability, I guess, uh-huh. of the online exactly. space. Yeah, and can... by then we had members from all over the world, like mm. from America, from UK, from Europe, mm. and we were just like, okay, wow, this is crazy. It's like not just our postcode that we're helping. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and what you were saying before about how you, you start to see all these people who are attracted to what you do, um, mm. you're not only relying on those people being in your local area, you're starting to see them all over the world. And and yeah. that's kind of what we've experienced with the Foot Collective is like being interested in feet and foot health and balancing on beams and stuff is pretty niche. And it's, you know, it's not everyone that's into it. But once you put it out there online, then you can attract like a pretty strong community because of just the scalability of, of the online exactly. space. And the energy to be online, like, you do have to, you know, like I was saying, I wasn't really feeling the energy of my patients who would just want to come mm-hmm. see me and be fixed. Whereas to do, mm-hmm. to follow mm-hmm. through on something online, you have to be pretty dedicated. You have to be pretty, take ownership of what you're going to take, start doing. You have to be accountable to show up and do the work to see improvement. Cause I can't put my hands on you. I, you have to actually move and make the changes yourself. So the people that we attracted uh, were also like right on our page. They were the people that we want to help because they just wanted to feel better, but were ready to to do the things that they need to do to make the changes mm-hmm. in their lifestyle to feel better, which um, we really like. Yeah, that's that's so huge. I've I've actually found a similar thing. I, I started my physio career. It, it, our um our journeys. And are amazingly similar. Um, I just had chronic uh, patella, oh, sorry, quadriceps tendinopathy yeah. <laughs> in both knees. Um, but yeah, it's it is amazing when you have that realization of, oh, hang on, like yes, I a lot of people feel like I've got magic hands and I'm making them feel better. Um, but you know, first I need to look at my own body and my own health and figure out what's going on with me. And once you figure that out, you can share that with other people and they go, oh, that makes sense. And the people who are ready to make that change in their own life will be really attracted to that. And it's it's a much deeper impact you can have on someone's life. And, and if there isn't that, I think there is a lot of value in um, manual therapy and especially in the context like you were talking about with down-regulating the nervous system and people feeling heard, people feeling touched and all of these, you know, all of that is very powerful, um, I suppose, human connection. But at the same time, when that's available and it can make you feel so good, it can can tempt you to 
uh, deprioritize the, all of the stuff that will make you better in the long term and make you more empowered and more resilient in the long term, which which is the movement and health sort of changes that you make. Yeah, and I know like the people moving with us now, like especially now we've been with us for a couple of years um, doing what we're sharing. Like I feel like we're saving them from getting a hip replacement in 10 mm. years' time. You know, like those things, like those really long-term benefits that take a long time to change as well. Like those things just don't happen in a week or five treatments or that sort of thing. So there, there is a place, but it's the, the work you do that you chip away frequently and for a long period of time that makes that long-term difference yeah. in your quality of life. Yeah, It's also very inaccessible. Like imagine how many sessions someone would have to have with you to get all of the movement coaching that you can give them in an online space in their own home. Like they would have to pay thousands of dollars to have all that coaching with you. Whereas if you do it in this way online, you're able to, they're able to access all of that um, for like a very sort of very accessible price, I imagine. I, 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 yeah. Well, how is your, um, not necessarily about pricing, but how, yeah. what, is, what is the journey? Say someone comes to the A-Life and they're like, mm-hmm. I like the look of what you guys do. Um, what's like the pathway? Like how does that look when someone um, comes into your online space or your online community? Yeah, so we've evolved over like the last couple of years that we've been online, but we first teach people the foundations of movement. So we teach people when they first come to join us, um, you know, we teach them how to move their joints. We teach them the basics of strength work. Um, well, a lot of them would come because of that foundations work. We created this five-day foundation yeah. series that anyone mm. can take. And, I think- and they'll often do this series where we teach them those basics of, you know, our philosophies as well. Like so – just, you know, move training barefoot, just really simple things, um, you know, get being body aware, understanding how to take the easy option, regress first and get good at that before you start anything complicated. Um, yeah, so we, we sort of share those and people understand more about our philosophy of movement first. And then that way, like I was saying before with the labels, it doesn't matter what we're actually teaching because they're coming because they like our philosophy of movement Mm -hmm. um, and how it's going to impact them. Um, And then from there, they, um, yeah, we have, we now have two memberships that we run, but our main membership is the A-Life Anywhere where we just basically teach a combination of strength and mobility and um, yoga yoga as well. And it's basically a, a yin yang practice. It's a sustainable way to move um, with the goal of moving for your health, not moving like, you know, maybe you'll um, build muscle, maybe you'll uh, get lose weight. I don't know, but that's not what we're about. That's not our focus. Our focus is really to just, um, yeah, move with ease, take care of your joints, move with, uh, be healthy, you know, think about longevity, think about how you're going to move later on and um, down in the few years time and find just something that doesn't thrush your body really. Mm. Um, And I think that's, you know, when I was saying the people we've attracted is a lot of the time um, people who have done all the things that were felt really great in your twenties and, you know, maybe you're pushing your thirties, but then, they still feel stiffness. They still feel pain. They still get recurring injuries. 
and they're looking for something that maybe is not even about like it's funny how people be like you need pilates or you need yoga like this thing and it's like that thing is the thing that got them better but really often it's just the fact that they've learned how to connect with their own body Mm. and that's what we really (laughs) want to teach is that you take one of our classes and then you can take some of those things when you feel a bit tired at work and you can do the do them on your own. You don't actually need us. You actually know, you don't need someone to tell you exactly what to do. Um, you actually know what your body needs and have a better connection to yourself. And yeah, basically in terms of how they start moving with us, the way they do it, it's like you said, I've got, a lot of the times I'll find us through our socials, I'm like, oh, I like that approach. I like what yeah. know, Angie's saying in the text. And then we put out all these like, um, uh, free free online content like the foundation series we do a three we did a three day um, like movement we started we did one called find your form as well and we'll kind of cycle them throughout uh, the year and then from there that's when they join a membership or we'll give them uh, we've got two memberships like and said we are a life anywhere which we're thinking of changing the name because the other membership we can also do anywhere but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you know these memberships like we'll, we'll We'll pre-record like uh, like six to eight classes every month, and then we'll do like four live classes in the week. Yeah. But you know, even then, we're starting to think, oh wow, like we're seeing a lot of people aren't as um, aren't as how should I say it? it's like they don't have the time to move as much as we do. Because even though we give them all these classes, our goal was, hey, you know, do all these classes. How many of them actually do all of them? Probably like out of everyone of, uses it in different capacity. Exactly. Um, and we've got a really big variety of even types of um people who who join mm-hmm. us um yeah and more recently released a new membership called the alife express which is really it's a 20 minute mobility movement routine that we deliver each week and it's designed for you to just get more movement in your day because that was one thing we we're finding is even if you are doing going to your exercise class once or twice a week if you're still sitting all day or just you know, our modern lifestyle, we just don't get a move, enough movement in every direction in our whole body. And so we give you basically a, a new movement routine every week, 15 to 20 minutes that you can just get up and do each morning um, or any time of day and um, get just more whole body movement. And so mm. that's been a real um, cool thing to add into that some people just need as well as just to get that um, learn how to move their whole body every day and just get that vitamin in to their body. That's what, yeah. Well, that's what I found strange is that, like, uh, to, Angie and I have always done something similar to well, what we're doing now. We've done it for a long time. And when we uh, when we're seeing our mentor, he said, You guys need to start lifting. Well, oh, no point. In, I, I don't like barbells. Like, you know, I don't like him. But for some reason, he convinced us to do it. And we got one of our friends who's, um, He's a professional lifter and he taught us like the very basics. So like he wouldn't let us put a barbell on our back until we knew how to goblet squat. So until you know we started to learn how to squat and everything, like we'd always implement the warm-ups, the drills, the mobility work we would do before it. And that's what our um, our friend who's this lifter as well, he would do kind of like the same warm-ups. And when we started, we, we saw value in these joint prep routines, these warm-ups, warm-up exercise, and when we put them out there, people oh my god, so you know, this is revolutionary. Like this no I thought everybody knows this. And when we did the foundation series, a lot of the comments we got, 
this was a cool one. Like we'd have a 60 year old woman go, wow, for years I've been doing weightlifting and I fancy myself pretty, a very strong individual more than most. How did I never know these joint mm-hmm. mobility routines? I'm like, yeah, how yeah, did you Just some know? basics that I think people <laughs> so, realize when they tried what we do that were missing, like things just like connecting to the floor, like mm-hmm. getting your wrists on the hands on the ground or getting, and I usually say like to people, because, you know, you can do PT or professional or some sort of exercise and not really move your joints to their full capacity or not actually have a full connection to the ground because you can use pulleys and bands and all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then they get to this and they're like, my knee can't do that or there's no way that I can get up off and down off the floor. And those there's so there's but even though they seemingly fit, they are missing these just fundamental basics of movement. Mm. So that, yeah. <clears throat> that's such a common thing and and obviously we're on very much on the same wavelength about people even fit health you know, fit, healthy, active people missing a lot of movement nutrients like we yes. I, i'm sure i think you guys have obviously been um influenced or inspired by katie bowman it's been a big yeah. thing for me but that whole concept totally. of movement nutrition and and i you know i obviously love all the the movements that you guys post on instagram and it, the key thing that i always register is like that's so much good variability in movement mm-hmm. and people can get really into their fitness and into their one style of fitness, whether it's lifting or running or yoga or Pilates, like you said, but they are then missing out on all these other tools that could be used um, to increase their movement variability. And, and the, the quantity is one thing, like obviously it's important for us to move um, frequently and move with intensity and, and all of these things. Um, but the variability is probably the big yeah key that most people are missing and and then when you show when you show them like some just basic fundamentals or foundations of variability they're like whoa this is mind-blowing like I didn't know I should be moving my body like this and that I think it really it's just it's not built into our physical education like physical education at schools this is a whole nother topic I suppose but (laughs) physical education at, at schools is not really movement education and it's uh it's a lot more academic or you know yes you play some games and you do some exercise but you're not really taught how to coordinate fundamental movement patterns which i find kind of mind-boggling totally. Maybe same game, really. and that, <laughs> i mean that whole like even through school like i all the way up until uni i feel like from there to now i'm like unwinding all that all mm. the seating at, at school all the linear movement all the shoe wearing and like that takes time, which means that, and I feel that's where the frequency is needed and the movement variability is needed because we we have been so sedentary, or like I have, well, I can speak for myself, so sedentary, through, even though I was really sporty, but, you know, in terms of like just that variability of what my joints were going through during that time um, through all that academic years. And I think that is a beauty of, of uh, we have found online in a way is because people can take a 20 minute class or a 30 minute class more often as opposed to having their sedentary lifestyle and then going to the gym once or twice a week for an hour and then nothing else around that that changing and Mm. i find when movement promotes movement if you've done something small 
through the through the day or at the start of the day, you're more likely to move more through the rest of the day and find those opportunities to move. And and you start to feel how good it feels to move through those different ranges of motion. Like you start yes. opening up your chest in you know uh, in one of those movements, or you hang in a different way, or you squat in a different way. You're like, oh, that actually feels really good on my hips or my shoulders. And then you get the sense of like, oh, I want to do that again. And uh, yeah. maybe I'll do that again later today as a little movement snack. And yeah. it's sort of completely, you know, gradually, you need to do it gradually, but it can revolutionize your whole approach to movement um, in yeah. such a such an important way. And even learning a new skill as an adult, a new movement skill, like we're so yeah. conditioned as adults that you just exercise and you just kind of do this thing, you burn calories and for that period of time. Whereas I think what people find refreshing is like we also have, as much as we have like hip mobility classes in our membership and strength classes, we also have uh, journey to pancake, we've got journey to front splits, we've got backbends class. And people realise that as an adult you can, I mean, we could call them hip mobility, the front splits class, because it is, it's going to, you know, you're going to work towards the goal is your intention and focus, but you're actually opening up all these areas of your body but chipping away towards a skill can just take your mind off the fact it's even exercise and give you a new goal as an adult, which is just a new refreshing way to look at moving and exercise. Yeah, it makes it more playful as well, which is something we're really big on and and I can see within all of your approach to movement is it's playful and it's explorative and it's, you know, it's creative and you can flow between different movements and, it's it's a whole it is a whole new way of moving it's funny we can i find i can get into my own sort of echo chamber and i hang around people like you and people who are into all this stuff but it's easy to forget that that isn't the norm and most people are just doing their sort of linear movements once a day as their exercise they tick their box and that's and that's it um so i think it's it's so cool that you know people like you and and it it does seem to be taking hold as well. Like the, there's people like motor movement, the guys down in Adelaide, they're doing awesome stuff in, in a similar vibe. And, you know, we all need to approach it from our own, um, I guess our own experience and our own passion. Like we come at it from yeah. the feet, yeah. you know, mm. more specifically. Um, and some people are having foot pain and that they, they seek us out specifically because we're the sort of feet people and, you know, everyone has their own kind of niche, but, at the end of the day, there's a m- massive population of millions or, or even billions of people who aren't even getting close to exploring their movement potential because it's just, it's not even on their radar. Yeah. And I mean, the thing with the pain as well is like we we get uh, a lot of people who have issues when they're joining us, like quote, old injuries mm. or, you know, things Most people that have, are, have something. Have something. Exactly. And what we, it, the funny thing is without treating that thing specifically, if you teach the person how to uh, learn about their pain and obviously, you know, not push through pain and move everything around that area is something I always teach is like get everything else, but, you know, what can you do? What range Mm. can you do that's pain-free? And even just focusing on moving towards a skill or just, you know, moving better in general as opposed to, you know, we can really get, identified and bogged down in our old chronic diagnosis and you find that if you keep consistent so many of our students have six months down track three months down track being like oh yeah I don't have that hip issue anymore or 
yeah, my back, I haven't been to the chiropractor for my back for so long. And that thing just resolves itself by you just not focusing on it, but instead um, just learning to move better. Yeah, because no injury or pain happens in isolation. Yeah. There's always some, well, I guess... Uh, I guess if you fall over and fracture your arm yeah. or something like that, then yeah, that's maybe an isolated injury, but that will then have an integrated effect on your body. Um, and so there's, there's no real isolated rehab. And even if you do fracture your arm, it's quite interesting. There's studies that show if you exercise the other arm, then you lose yeah. less muscle on the one that's fractured and in a cast. Yeah. So the, the body doesn't work in isolation. And, and it's interesting, like people come to us through their feet for the most part, but we're, we're like all our education and especially this new resource we're building is all about just teaching them the fundamentals of movement. Mm-hmm. Similar, sounds similar to what you guys are doing. Um, and, you know, your feet don't get fixed by just focusing on your mm-hmm. feet all the time. You need to learn how to move your hips. You need to learn how to stabilize and balance. You need to learn how to, you know, move through your ankle and your big, you know, obviously big toes part of your feet. But even things up yeah. into your neck will affect down into your feet and vice versa. And it's if you don't sort of get caught up in just just managing the pain and you actually just focus on your overall function, that's actually par- kind of paradoxically the, the most effective way to reduce and eliminate your pain. Oh, big time. And I think that was the – it's funny with um, – obviously we go through different um, journeys and whatnot, but I remember Andrew would always comment, like, how are you – like this is for you. How are you able to sit in that deep squat? And I remember for, for years, like – I don't know. I've always just crossed my legs every time I sat in a chair. And um, back in hmm. the days when I was working um, uh, a job in Meyer, uh, I was young, obviously, you know, I'd have my cigarette break out there. And I would always have my back up against the wall in a squat position, <laughs> having my cigarette. Hmm. And, you know, in, 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 when I was working in construction, it was the same thing. I'd always, I don't know why, I'd always just want to sit in a position where, my feet were kind of like, uh, my hips were lower than my knees. So mm. when we got into this whole movement culture stuff, like, you know, I remember our mentor was like, you know, to, uh, to gain the squat, you got to spend minutes in it and da, da, da. So it would all come down to a squat. And it was interesting. Everybody was kind of like in a high squat and I'd be going all the way down. And he's like, and he was very observant. He's like, you obviously keep this uh, habit up in your everyday life. And yeah, I kind of do. Whilst for everybody, it kind of had to be trained because, we all know we all, yeah, we, you know, everybody's just sitting down in a chair and never bringing their hips past that position. But then for me, I've just kind of unintentionally did it and I never even worked on it. I think that's, that's why it just speaks to volume where she would also always say your environment makes the big, you know, your environment really does impact you because the whole, the whole saying goes, um, with a potted flower, do you blame the flower for not blooming, or do you blame this environment? Like, you know, it, it's always the environment. This is why, without me even trying, I'd always have those mobile hips. And obviously, there was some points where, like, oh, okay, well, there are a lot of things I still need to work on. And sure enough, this is where the movement culture came in, kind of mm. taught us a whole different skill set, and that's where I was hooked. And yeah. The cool part about it as well, not everybody. Like, Everybody had their own thing. Yeah, you had some of the had saw some of the strongest people there, but when it came to coordination, they were they were really lost. And like everyone me, had different every, kind of holes in there. And I loved it because 
there were some people who were so strong or so flexible, but then they were so lacking in coordination. And I love how you can see everybody getting into that beginner mindset. It's like, oh, shit, I'm learning something new. And then it really did create this cool community. Mm. Yeah, the the use it or lose it principle is like so simple but so powerful. And, I, you know, I tell everyone whenever I can that, you know, all uh, – children like toddlers infants and children start out with perfect deep squats um yes and literally the only reason an adult can't is because they stopped squatting it's like it's it's not even arguable it's like you had it you only lost it because you stopped using it and uh i guess that it's kind of a cool segue and we were talking about before how kids aren't um, taught how to move and it's interesting that we even have to teach kids how to move and, and it lines up with what you're saying about the environment. We've, we've created these domesticated um, sort of zoo type environments for, for humans where everything's flat and level and everything's sort of convenient and comfortable and easy. And so we actually all just gradually lose our movement capacities from the just simple fact of being in an environment that doesn't challenge our movement capacities. And it's, it's interesting, though, that, you know, even though you were in a civilized environment like that, Marty, you still chose to sit in a deep squat. It's kind of, it just felt good for you. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of people don't make that connection or they're just, they're, I think, especially starting school, they sit in chairs and that's just normalized and that's how they've done it forever. And then they lose that ability, I guess, fairly early, like, I've worked with kids as young as like 12 who can't get down into a nice deep squat because they've just been sitting all day since five. And I guess it's particularly front of mind for me um, as I've just started the the fatherhood journey, Um, you know, five weeks in. And I know you guys are about to uh, embark on that parenthood journey, which is really, really exciting. Um, But it's sort of brings me hope that anyone who learns about movement um, and environment and, you know, the importance of these things can then pass that on to their children because, you know, I'm not going to let Olive sit in a chair for six to eight hours a day. It's just not, it's not even going to be an option because it's, it's because I know the effects of that. Um, But also, you know, I'm going to choose to design environments for her to just play in because if you just let a kid play, if they have the right environment, they will challenge themselves through play. It's like it's built in to their, to their DNA. And um, there's, there's a lot of uh, rabbit holes I could go down in this, in this whole topic. Um, But so I'm excited about that. I'm also interested to explore I suppose your journey with pregnancy and movement through pregnancy, because obviously movement's been a big part of your life for a long time. Um, I guess, how has that been for you? Uh, How has that change been? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that you just mentioned that I want to jump into, (laughs) but I'll talk about my my journey so far. Um, And um, yeah, I've had an amazing pregnancy so far, which is, great and I'm very grateful for I think the one of the biggest things I can attribute it to is consistently moving two three four years prior mm-hmm. to actually even falling pregnant which um you know when you hear about people's preconception preparation it's all normally about cleanses and um 
nutrition and all of those things, of course, are important. And yes, I did all those like um, I did all those preparation things before, and we consciously conceived and things like that. But um, what I didn't take for granted, what I definitely took for granted, is the fact that I kept up my strength, my mobility. Um, before and I think that makes it just so much easier through your pregnancy because a lot of people will get pregnant and be like oh no I need to start preparing and start my movement and prepare my pelvic floor and my there's breathing and there's postural changes and support and core support and all these things but it's almost like your body's going to be transitioning so quickly over however many months that um but if you had done the work earlier, um, it just makes your body so much more adapt, able to adapt to changes. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the big things I'm very grateful for is um, just consistently uh, having a strength practice and and a mobility practice. And then it's been really interesting moving through the trimesters and slowly learning what my body um, you know what to pull back from and things like that and even just um buy pull-ups for now <laughs> listen, yeah well yeah there's it's been a, okay, skipping and jumping they take a back seat for a little while yeah my <laughs> pulling work which i've really missed <laughs> um, but everything else i've pretty much been able to keep up keep up just slowly you know regress my weights and things like that um but it's also been interesting because i you know you hear so much of like people just being like, oh, I've got uh, SIJ pain, oh, my pubic symphysis went on me, oh, this, this, this. It's just luck of the draw sort of thing. My baby is posterior, my baby is breech, all these things. And, yes, of course, there's elements to, like, what's going to happen is going to happen. But the more I've sort of dug into it, the more I realise, just like with everything else, there is – Yeah, there is so much you can do throughout to support your body – um, mm. to support your baby's position, to make sure there's enough room in your rib cage, there's enough room in uh, your pelvic bowl and that you're able to maintain these things through the pregnancy, you know, maintain the stability of your joints and your pelvis, maintain the mobility of your upper back and things like that. And, yeah, it's been really cool. I've actually been filming a prenatal course. I've been through the three trimesters um, filming strength, mobility, and yoga um, as I've moved through, and yeah, it's just been a really awesome experience so far. I can't really complain. Um, and yeah, it'd be really interesting for the birth because I feel like I've done so much. <laughs> we'll we'll see, but um, yeah, but also just even now getting closer. Um, you know, you were saying like creating that environment for your child and things, even just. The things that are just like, you're a parent now, this is what you do. You know, things like buying a change table. I'm like, but why do I need to buy a change table? Why can't I get on the floor and put a mat on the floor and and change that way? And, you know, the, the swaddling is what you do and this is what you do. Like there's all these things and I've just been able to like question everything to be like, but mm. I want to. Do I need the, the bouncer thing that just sits them there? Why can't I just put them on the floor and just let them move? You know, just simple things that, um, yeah, it's been really interesting to 
see what like the the spoken norm is and being like well actually what do I want to do like what Mm. what works with our lifestyle and how we want to um birth and how we want to um yeah bring up a child and yeah, and also, and also what makes sense physiologically. Like yes. uh, I think if there's one thing I'd say to everyone listening, especially if you have a child or are planning to have a child, is, as you say, just question everything that is supposedly just normal and, uh, you know, expected um, to do. Like the, and, and try and tap into your intuition about mm-hmm. what, what makes sense. Um, and obviously... Like you said, having a movement practice beforehand, you sort of get to understand what the body needs from a, from that physiological point of view. And um, I think there's yeah, it, a lot of there are a lot of deep rabbit holes, and I'm aware of how deep each one can go. But um, the the I think the preparation of the body is so key for having like a smooth birth and and like you said there can be anomalies there can be things that just happen um but we've been birthing for <laughs> our entire evolutionary history even before we were human um so we as a species have the innate ability to um have sort of good healthy pregnancies and good healthy births and i think one one thing that might get in the way of that a little bit is that sort of lack of movement throughout our sort of entire life leading up into when we're pregnant. Um, when I'm saying we, there's a big royal we there. When, when, when the person is pregnant, when the woman is pregnant, um, like you say, they are trying to play catch-ups. And I feel like pregnancy, this is something Ella and I have discussed a lot, is that pregnancy will likely... Uh, highlight any, I guess, weaknesses or areas that need improvement for you. So you might end up with SIJ pain, like you said, or hip pain, or um, uh, even, I think maybe even morning sickness. Again, I'm not sure on the research here. I'm not sort of uh, (laughs) giving anyone the specific sort of medical advice, but I believe that Issues that come up in pregnancy are a sign. Uh, it's just things being highlighted that were maybe already needed improvements. And that might be gut health. It might be movement health. It might be sleep health um, or whatever. But uh, the, the preparation in all of those aspects yeah. is, is so key. And then that, and that's just, what would facilitate a healthy birth. Totally. And I feel like for, like for us, you know, we're not, you know, that young to be having a baby and but I feel like when I like if I had been had a baby years ago like I think I would have chosen a very different birth than I'm choosing to do now you know really because this whole journey of us you know moving into natural movement and understanding what our bodies are actually capable of and having trust in in our actual in my own body to heal and recover um, how it should um, is exactly the same for birth. And, you know, so now that we've come to a place where we're ready to have a baby, uh, I'm able to really like sit into, I want that physiological birth and I trust that my body knows what to do. But 
my whole life, our whole lifestyle now reflects that. It's not just, you know, a random decision that mm-hmm. we, um, we want this, but everything else is um, relying on a system or relying on people to fix us. We're not, we don't, we're not choosing that path, which it all kind of fits into one now. So it just makes sense for us to, you know, really put in the work before with our bodies, obviously, but then also just um, trust that given the right environment and especially with birth, you know, the environment you set up for yourself mm. in pregnancy, the environment of the people you surround yourself with in pregnancy the environment that you choose for your labor, um, you know, all of that, just like we were talking about with everything else is really going to have a huge impact on your outcome. And, you know, there's obviously some stuff we can't control, but there is a lot in your environment and your body that you can control. And so, you know, that's where we chose, we're choosing to focus on. Yeah. Well said. And I guess that that's what I was trying to say in a in a way is that in the medical system, I suppose, with pregnancy and birth, there is a lot of disempowering messages and and a lot of similarity between the way, say, pregnancy and birth is handled and how feet are handled, where it's like, you know, your body is not uh, sort of cut out for this. If for some reason, like, you know, your feet are too flat or for um, pregnancy, it might be that your hips are too narrow or something like that. There's, there's, just general, or even if it's not specific, but just general cultural influences that tell us that our bodies aren't enough to um, do this thing by themselves. And then uh, that can sort of lead to what's called a cascade of interventions. So someone has this sort of innate belief that they need a hospital system to birth. And then um, the the sort of cascade is, you know, inductions leading into... um, uh, lots of pain relief, analgesia, leading into high risk of cesarean sections, leading to high risk of um, infections, and and so on. So there's there's a which would lead to a higher incidence of antibiotics, and so this is something that you know has been studied, and you, and you can people can go and look at themselves. But yeah. so there is this sort of overall disempowering um, culture in the medical system, which we know goes across all avenues of the medical system, but. At the same time, um, just saying or sort of just trying to flip uh, your mindset and say, oh, okay, I trust my body completely and I have full belief that my body can do it, maybe isn't enough when you compare it to building that trust with your body through putting in work through, like you said, all the yes, movement stuff, all the health. And, yeah, so it's, it's partly a mindset, but it's also partly a, a process and a relationship with your body that you build over time. Um, and I think both are, are really important because, yeah. yeah, because I think the the less prepared your body is, the more likely you are to need some kind of intervention. Um, yeah, and it comes back as well to asking the question of like, but why is it like that? So, you know, yeah. like, why are we, just like you would say, well, why is everyone using orthotics? Like, what? why do I need orthotics and things like that? And, you, you know, we ask the same question, why are women birthing on their back is there a reason women are birthing on their backs all the time and when you actually like ask the why like you go back into the history of it and it's just it's crazy what was it well we went we um we were seeing this midwife for a course it was interesting she was saying like humans have been birthing like you know moving around for 
water on their side. And they found that, um, they traced it back, it was like a French king. It was Louis. like Louis the Fourth, you know, one of the early ones. And he had a lot of mistresses, he had a lot of wives. And he he he, he actually enjoyed seeing the baby, baby coming out. Come out. And he says, well, I can't see it, uh, I can't see it when you're on all fours, get on your back. So, because the royals were doing it this way, oh, the royals are doing it, and I'm talking like fourth century or something. Like that. I don't know what century it was, but yeah, we were talking, you know, in the early days, and people thought that's how the royals are doing it. That's how we have to do it. Mm. And then they said from then, like you know, that's a lot of uh, women started birthing on their backs, back. which is mm-hmm. you know, has nothing Isn't to it? do with like, is it helpful? <laughs> <laughs> That just reminds me of the Chinese foot binding. That started because there was a princess who had a deformity, like a club foot deformity, and the whole culture started binding feet of little girls to look like the princess. Wow. And, you know, start, the culture started to really value really small, tiny, narrow feet. Um, it's not helpful for the feet at all to be bound like that, but it's it's amazing what sort of, it's almost fashion. It's like, a yeah. okay, yeah. all the royals are birthing on their backs. Well, we should birth on our backs. And then that sort of disseminates throughout the whole culture, even though there's, you know, there's no physiological reason to do that. And there's certainly a lot of physiological reasons not to. It's just exactly. that, uh, yeah, we, we as a culture and a society have, have lost touch with the, the natural instincts that we have. Yes. And we sort of trust these, authorities to tell us what to do and we trust that they know what they're doing um and sorry to be blunt but in a in a lot of uh cases they don't know what they're doing um and they're not they're so bio-individually different though eh? of course they're going to know generally how the body works but not how your body works and i think this is this Mm. is what uh obviously you know we've done we do all the work ourselves first and that's why we always say like understand your body first. Be get some awareness in your body before going. Hey, do this because somebody told you to do so. Mm. And this is what we, we were just so built differently, and we, we live so differently. And this is why I find it so interesting during pregnancy. Like as soon as she mentioned that you know, she's just fine. Well, all the mothers just like you know from all like friends, family, and you know people walking by immediately give her advice on what she should be doing and what she shouldn't mm. be doing. Oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do that. I'm like, I live a totally different life to you. I have a totally different um, belief system to you. And that it plays a massive factor because, you, know, you know, for someone to say you should do this when you really don't agree with it or you really don't want to do it, why would you do it? So Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's, that's so, I mean, that's a re- relevant thing for us. We, we have a big ground living culture, Ella and I at home, like we're on the ground a lot. We both squat, uh, adopt a squat position a lot. And all throughout her pregnancy, we were doing that. And also um, she was training, like doing strength training sessions um, all throughout her pregnancy, like even up to 38 weeks, I believe is when she stopped. And she was lifting and, you know, all of these things, like obviously she had to modify some, some things, but she was told by someone like, oh, you, you got to be really careful with like lifting and you, you probably shouldn't be lifting. And, and she was like, well, it doesn't make sense. Like I feel fine doing it and, you know, my body is strong and I actually think this will probably help me in labor because labor is a labor. Like it, it's, a, it's, a lot of, um, it's a lot of work. And we had a home birth and she was in the bath in a deep squat position for like six hours um and and it was that's quite a quick labor it was all over in six hours 
So I guess she was technically in the bath for maybe a few hours, but even just the ability to be down in that squat position for that long, um, it took preparation, but it really helped with the birth. And it was a, you know, completely natural physiological, um, birth. And yeah, again, I, I guess I, I, I want to reiterate that I'm not saying that there's no place for medical intervention, that there, when medical interventions no. are necessary, they're amazing in an emergency. Yes. It's just more that there's so much that we, like you said, and we have so much control over yeah. our environment and over our bodies and our health that would drastically reduce the need for those interventions. Yeah. And just recovery, like postpartum. I used to teach mm. um, mums and bubs classes and I just used to see such a difference between the mums who were active in their pregnancy and the, the mums who, who weren't. And there was just, because your body goes undergoes so much change and that requires you to be able to tune in and connect and bring that awareness to yourself. And it's very easy to just disconnect when you're like, I don't know what this body is anymore. This isn't my body that I used to have. And everything is hard to engage and um, move how you want to. And, mm. and that also plays psychologically as well. And so it's just I see the recovery of mums um, and I think that was definitely a big driving factor for me to stay really active through my pregnancy is that I would see that put the postpartum and see the difference between the mums who were active and the mums who weren't and it's just huge it's the it's just you're able to um, yeah make that connection back to your body you feel it's you know there's feeling strong and empowered again and you know when you're looking after another baby 24 hours a day suddenly and you feel like you can't look after yourself, um, you know, that, that's got to play, play into also mm. your mind as well. So that's the energy. That energy, yeah, 100%. It's, you know, the marathon, I think, continues after you give birth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's interesting. We've been reading um, some, well, we've been reading a lot of books about, you know, all this stuff. Mm. But um, there was one book that, uh, I can't remember if it was called the first 40 days or the, or the fourth trimester. There's two books yeah. in there of, of a similar vein, but it talks about the importance of the, that initial postpartum period, um, almost, you know, like a fourth trimester, which is, yes. you know, like just as important for the baby and for the mum. But in one of those sections, they, they almost, rec- I think they recommended two weeks bed rest after mm-hmm. postpartum, which just, you know, it makes it makes sense to me that the mum should be resting and should be looked after and that I had two weeks at home to sort of do all the shopping, all the cooking, all the stuff so that Ella could relax. But it also doesn't make sense for me for someone to be on bed rest because that you just decondition so quickly if you're literally lying in bed all day. So even just the act of, you know, getting out of bed and doing and just sort of moseying around you're still resisting gravity to a degree you're still using some muscles and and you're still you know activating your lymph system and all of these things which i think are are pretty critical so you know there are a a lot of great books with great information but like like you said you still have to question things and Mm -hmm. see what makes sense to you um and not just sort of go with whatever you're told even if it is from like a an alternative source, um, yeah. you know, everything needs to be questioned and sort of yeah. integrated with your lifestyle and your yeah, and just listen to your body as well. I mean, I think it's, you know, the thing is with, with that post immediate postpartum is that 
you do have a wound internally, like so the placenta yeah. has to touch, and I think it's a wound that you can't necessarily see. So you do somewhat have to respect your body to heal and allow that time to heal and have that rest. Um, but there is definitely things in that initial period that you can do to at least start reminding things to work as they should and supporting you. And yeah. even if it's like breathing exercises and, you know, because all those organs have to come back to uterus yeah. and turn to size, you know, to where it was. So there's still so much change that's happening. Um, and there is even just some restoration things that you can start to get that ball rolling and support your body on straight away. Yeah, you should, yeah like uh, you should definitely go slow. And like you said, it's all about listening to your body. And the totally. more, and that's what we often come back to is just the more you're able to listen to your body and, and understand it and use your intuition, then the yeah. easier things will be without having to worry about what you should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah, and that's huge. And I think that comes with all that work that you've done earlier of like creating that connection so you can mm. listen to your intuition, you can listen to what your body needs as the trimesters go on or as even in that postpartum. Phase, mm. but you can't build that straight away um you know that takes time so i definitely feel like the earlier you can get start making that connection to you the better yeah and then uh, and even further postpartum the way you move the way we move as parents influences what the baby sees oh, and yeah. what they mirror and you know if you're down on the ground with them and and rolling around crawling around um First of all, it's fun um, to play with to play with babies and infants, um, but they see that that's normal behavior, um, mm. and you know that actually makes a big difference to their movement development as well, which I think is really cool. Yeah, Just you modeling. get the opportunity to be the example, and you mm. know they're like sponges, so they're absorbing everything of what it what you know a healthy life should look like and so yeah. you get to model that every day which is pretty cool yeah this is why angie and i are saying as soon as um our baby's like six months old we're out of the city because it's like where we're at like, this is so urban here like angie and i don't even have that yeah we want like, more nature yeah we want Definitely. more nature so it's like you know this is why you'll probably see us like you know we jump in our ute and we'll go camp somewhere for a couple of days yeah i've seen some of those that looks awesome yeah <laughs> we're gonna continue <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, it's uh, it's a really cool. Uh, it's a privilege, I think, uh, as if if you can see it that way, um, to be able to have this uh, ability to model behaviors to your child because you're going to be their primary sort of point of inspiration. Um, and like you said, you know, finding places in nature where they can experience because you, you don't really have to teach them anything. Um, you just have to learn and and play with them and it all sort of happens as as part of the course which is really cool yeah. um well that might be that might be a good place to wrap up i feel like we could talk for hours <laughs> um, like hours and hours yeah. um but i'm i would love to do a follow-up maybe yeah. six months down the line <laughs> see how we're doing see how we're doing now isn't it <laughs> yeah um but uh we'll, we'll be doing melbourne trips here and there we're actually coming down in april but um i think we'll probably come down se semi-frequently throughout the year um so it'd be really cool to to connect and our, our little babies can play together um 
and yeah, I'm I'm just really uh, inspired by what you guys are doing, and I, I yeah, I just love watching the journey, and uh, it's going to be even more exciting with <laughs> with number three. Um, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what you guys make up uh, with moving with the baby. Um, yeah. like a, a life baby um baby uh, baby series, baby series yeah. yeah um but for people listening who, who are interested and want to check you out uh what's like the best place where, where can people find you yeah we we hang out most on instagram that's where we put up a lot of our content um and yeah we offer we often do a lot of free trainings where people can get a taste about what we do. Um, yeah, you can check out our memberships on our website. We have, um, yeah, two memberships that we've chatted about. And very soon I'll be releasing our Moving Mama course, which oh, I just sweet. have to film the postpartum um, aspect yeah. of it. That will be ready to launch, which is cool. pretty exciting. Oh, that's such a good idea. We're yeah. hoping to do it in May or April. Yeah. How organized I can get my back. I do in, have a so. wait list going, so if you're interested, definitely um, hit us up. And yeah, we would love to really support movement for mums. Yeah. Oh, that, that's such a, a needed resource. I, I love the sound of that. Yeah. Um, cool. So, oh, well, thank, thank you. you. We'll, we'll link all that <laughs> stuff in the show notes. Thanks and, so much. Um, yeah, obviously wishing you guys all the best and, and hopefully catch up sometime when we're next down in Melbourne. Thanks for listening to the Restore to Explore podcast. To stay up to date with all things TFC, join our brand new free community. Inside, you'll find a growing library of education, training and resources to help you resolve common conditions, restore natural function and explore your body's potential with a community that's there to support you along the way. To join... Just head to thefootcollective.com or you'll find the link in our show notes.